Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Strong in Suffering Sermon Series, which goes through the book of 1 Peter. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, I want to start tonight by giving you just, uh, just one, one statement as we, uh, as we get started. And that, that statement is simply this, that knowledge... Knowledge provides direction for my decisions, all right? And what you know, it gives you the direction for the decisions you're going to make. It's going to literally show you what choice to make. Uh, think about it this way. If you're going on a road trip and you're going down the road and you know, you know that one mile ahead of you, there's a police trap. You know what that is? They're waiting to pull you over. If you know, it used to be that if you're going down and someone coming uh, flashes their lights at you twice, you know there's, there's cops down there. My dad always, oh, there's an officer down there. And sure enough, a mile, two miles later, there'd be that officer. If you know that, you know that officer is coming. You're probably gonna slow down, aren't you? I know my wife is. I know Hannah's slowing down. You know what? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, you know what? When you're going along, if you know that officer's coming, that knowledge is going to provide direction for the decision you're about to make. It's going to dictate the decision you're going to make. I'm going to slow down. Why? I don't want to get a ticket. I don't want to get a ticket. I don't want to get pulled over. Think about it this way. Uh, when, you were, when you were younger, maybe your teen years, and uh, you know you had that, that, that teenage crush, you know, the, it was for you guys, it was that one girl at camp or whatever the case might be, or for you girls, it was that one, that one boy from school. And, and then you found out that they kind of liked you as well. That knowledge, knowing like, you know, I mean, I remember in college and when Hannah and I were at that camp and I was in college, we were in, both in college in between our sophomore and junior year and I was singing at a camp with the, the, the group from the college and she came up and uh, I remember we were talking a little bit and my cousin came over to me and she said, hey, uh, you do know that Hannah's liked you for like a long time, right? And of course, I kind of liked Hannah and I was like, well, that changes the game here. Right? I don't have to convince her to like me. She like, likes me on her own already. <laughs> Listen, that knowledge, it provided the direction for the decisions then that I would make. How about this one? If you go into the doctor and you're sitting there and they say, I want to inform you that you've got, and it's cancer or some other health condition. And they say, one of the best ways for you to help yourself is you need to change how you eat and change how you exercise. The knowledge of that health condition, and they, they'll, they'll tell you, if you don't do that, your life's going to be shortened. Listen, that knowledge, what's it going to do? It's going to literally change how you go about your life. Now, I bring that statement up tonight knowledge provides direction for my decisions because I think that is a, a, a great uh, summary, simple statement about the next passage we're going to. We've been studying out the book of 1 Peter, 
We've been looking, of course, Peter, talking about how you and I can be strong in suffering, how we can have grace and strength, God's strength during times of suffering. And we've seen that Peter, he has brought out uh, the truth that Jesus Christ has suffered. At least once in every chapter, he points to the suffering of Jesus to help bring a context to your suffering and my suffering. Hey, Jesus suffered and went through it with grace. He was reviled and yet reviled not again. He suffered and you can do it too. Peter has written about our identity in Christ and how that changes us. He's written about uh, the right reason for suffering. Actually, that was last week. The right reason for suffering should be because of you doing right. Not because you made some foolish decision and you're a martyr because of your own uh, stupidity. (laughs) You know what, man, I'm I'm, I'm going through this really financial struggle right now. Well, it it wasn't the Lord that was swiping the credit card. It was you. And that's what Peter's writing about. He's saying, hey, listen, don't don't go through struggles because of your own foolishness. Go Go through suffering and struggles simply because you're walking with God and the world hates that. There's a right reason for suffering. There's a right response to suffering. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to uh, give an answer. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is within you for uh, 1 Peter 3.15. The response to going through suffering is number one, I grow closer to God. Number two is verse number six or verse 15 as well, that I speak up for God. Man, the right, right reason to go through suffering because I'm walking with him. Right response, draw close to him and tell others about him. And then last week, he again, Peter again, brought out another reminder about Christ's suffering. And he said, hey, verse 18, remember Christ suffered. And then verse 19 through 22, he talked about Noah. And how Noah preached with the same spirit that Christ preached with. And yet Noah also went through suffering. But Noah was vindicated, right? When that rain came, people understood. Oh, he was right. And verse 22, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And Peter is helping us understand one day your vindication will come. Hey, you keep the Lord first. You keep walking. And one day, one day, truth will be weighed out in eternity, right? In eternity, Truth is going to reveal itself. And that's what, that's what Peter is writing about. As you come to chapter number four, right at the very beginning, there's a, about six words that tie the entire beginning of the book in with the next few thoughts that Peter gives. And so I want you to see it with me. So if you would stand and let's read 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to read verse 1 down through verse 11. If you're able to stand, do it. If not, that's totally fine. Just want to read, read some verses tonight. 1 Peter chapter 4. Notice verse number 1. Peter says this. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. So that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but instead live to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked, we used to live in lasciviousness and lust and excess of wine and revelings and, uh, he says, um, Verse number three, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they, 
the people you used to run with. They think it's strange that you run, you run not with them to the same excess of riot. And now they're speaking evil of you. But remember who they, they shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. They used to be alive. The gospel was preached to them. That they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye sober. He says, be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. When you come to these verses, the words that tie everything in is the first sentence or the first half of the first sentence in verse number one, where Peter says this, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh. That phrase for as much then, it means this, in view of Hey, in view of the suffering of Christ, here's some decisions that you should make. What's Peter saying? With the knowledge that Jesus suffered for you, that knowledge is going to help you with your future decisions. And I'm going to give you some simple decisions. Peter is going to give us some simple decisions that we can make every day that will help us as we go through suffering to know that he suffered I can suffer. He walked in grace. I can have that same grace. And I think it'll be a help to us tonight. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to us. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a minute and just humble your heart to the Lord tonight and ask God to speak to you. You can pray something simple of, dear God, please speak to me. Dear God, please speak to me. And then would you make a commitment? God, if you speak to me tonight, I'm listening I'm going to respond to you, and I'm going to make a decision based on how you speak to me. Lord, thank you again for the word of God. I thank you for how it can be used to transform our lives. And Father, I pray that tonight as we go through the message, I pray that you would help us to not just listen with our ears, but that we would listen with our heart and allow you to speak truth into us. I pray, Lord, that you would just encourage and strengthen each of us tonight and help us to leave knowing that we've heard from you and been challenged by you. And, Lord, that you would use the message to strengthen us for this week. And, God, again, that we'd be reminded of how much you love us in going to the cross for us. We love you and thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. 
So again, this phrase, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, uh, uh, Peter is just simply saying, hey, listen, now that we're kind of wrapping our minds around the fact that Jesus suffered for us, we can suffer as well. In view of all of this, here are some things, some decisions that you can make. Now, why would that be applicable for these people who Peter was writing to? Why don't you think about it this way, and then we'll get right in the message tonight. Remember, these believers, they were undergoing some of the worst conditions that Christians had gone through up until that point and would go through for years to come. They were under Nero. Hannah and I were talking yesterday about how uh, many Christians right now in the U.S. Are, are crying out and saying, man, we're facing great persecution. Now, question, are we seeing some of our freedoms and liberties you know, be pulled back a little bit? Yeah, we are seeing that. We, we are seeing some of those things take place. Don't believe me? Talk to me after church. That's for a different message. Come on All-American Sunday. No, I'm, t- I'm kidding. Uh, you know what? It's not going to be a political message day, all right? Uh, but you know what? We're, we are seeing some of those freedoms and things kind of be pulled away from us a little bit. But let's be honest. Are we under a Nero? Are we, are we facing the, uh, the gladiator games? Are are believers being lit as torches in the night to light the streets? No, it's not happening. Some are saying, well, it's not happening yet. It's not happening yet. And so the suffering that they're going through was a lot worse than probably what we're facing. You know, just because your neighbor or your family member or your coworker makes fun of your Christianity, that, you know, that's not a huge suffering compared to them. So I want us to kind of put this into context because here's what Peter is getting at. He's saying, hey, listen, some of you are suffering in great ways and some of you, you've seen your family give their very lives because they know Jesus Christ. But here's what Peter's getting at. Hey, Jesus did the same thing for you. He gave his life for you. Verse 18 of chapter number uh, three, uh, remember he, G, uh, Peter points to the crucifixion again and the suffering. Chapter number one, for as much then, he says, as we are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Hey, Jesus, he literally shed his blood out of love. You, he didn't owe you anything. No, Jesus did that. He went to the cross all because you mean something to him. For as much then, hey, in view of that, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, since he suffered for us, here's some simple decisions that will help you in your suffering. All right, Peter, what's going to help us in our suffering? Number one, I see Peter giving us this challenge. He says, hey, I want to encourage you, equip yourself. Equip yourself. Notice the very next phrase that Peter says, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. Arm yourselves with the same mind. When Peter says that in verse number one, that phrase, that word arm right there, the word arm yourselves, afraid arm yourselves, it means to equip yourself. Peter is literally saying, hey, you can have the same mind of Christ. All right, Peter, well, what is the mind of Christ? I think specifically that Peter is referring to what we read in verse number two. 
Verse number two, that he, this isn't speaking about Jesus, this is speaking about the believer who has the mind of Christ, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men. Hey, quit living for yourself, but instead live to the will of God. You remember what Jesus prayed in the garden? What did he pray in the garden? Not my will, but thine be done. What took Jesus to the cross? Not my will, but thine be done. Right? Because in the garden, wasn't it Jesus that said, Lord, God, if it be thy will, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Here's what Peter is saying. Hey, listen, he went through suffering and you can have the same mind he did. What was his mind? Not my will, but God's. Equip yourself with a determination to live for him. That's what Peter's getting at. Hey, arm yourselves with the same mind that he, that, again, that he should no longer, you, the person who's armed with the same mind of Christ, should no longer live his time to the lust of the flesh, to the will of what you used to do. No, now there's a determination to live for the Lord. Peter continues. Hey, in the past of our life, uh, our past life, it was sufficient to us. That phrase may suffice us. It was sufficient to us to live to the will of the Gentiles. What's he talking about? That's the will of the flesh, the will of somebody who's not saved. Hey, before you trusted Christ, it was sufficient for you and for me to live like we didn't know Christ. Why? We didn't know Christ. That's why you lived like it. Can I just stop and say this? It shouldn't surprise you to see a lost world act like they don't know Jesus. Do you know why a lost world acts like they don't know Jesus? They don't know Jesus. Oh, I can't believe what they put on that news station. I can't believe these riots. I can't believe the hypocrisy. I can't believe the, and we have believers complaining. Don't they know? No. And sad to say, I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday. Sad to say, you want to know one of the reasons why they don't know? It's our fault. We don't, we don't spread the word like we should. We don't tell people like we should. So don't, don't get on this high horse that says, well, they should, know, they should know the moral high road. No, people don't know Jesus. They need Christ. Peter is saying, hey, before you were saved, you lived in the flesh. He goes through a number of these things, uh, lasciviousness and lust and excessive wine. Uh, he's just simply saying, hey, you used to live for the flesh and uh, reveling, riotings and always ready for a fight, banqueting, always partying. And then he summarizes it. You used to live for abominable idolatries. Hey, there was things in your life that you put before God and it was sufficient for you. But notice what he says in verse 4. Wherein they who you used to be with when you would run, the Gentiles, those who had that thinking, other unsaved people, they think it's strange that you don't run with them anymore. Hannah and I were joking about the, the phrasing there because that's the phrasing people use now. Yeah, I just don't run with them anymore. What's it mean? I don't, I don't hang out with them anymore. And here's what Peter is saying. He's saying, hey, listen, now since you've changed, it is strange to them that you don't run with them. 
So their inward thinking is, man, that's strange. Those of you that maybe got saved as an adult and you had a, a different life before you were saved, you probably had somebody after you trusted Christ say, hey, why don't you do this anymore? Hey, why don't you go here anymore? Hey, why don't you speak like this anymore? Hey, why don't you? I've noticed something different about you. It's strange. It's odd. It's peculiar. I mean, you go to church 18 times a week? Who does that? Wait, wait, you actually read the Bible in the mornings? Wait, you really pray? It's strange. And that, that spirit of this is strange to us, what response does it bring out to them? The response is they speak evil of you. That's the end of verse number four right there. Speaking evil of you. That ties back to First Peter chapter three and verse number 16. Peter had written, hey, when you don't live like the world, they're going to speak evil against you. Why? You want to know the biggest reason that people speak evil of followers of God? The biggest reason, and don't let this puff you up, but the biggest reason is conviction. You want to know why the name of Jesus is the name that people don't want to hear? Conviction. Because it's taught that Jesus was perfect. He was the sinless son of God, and he came to this earth and died for you, and you need to receive him. And if that is true, which it is, then that changes everything for every human being. Why? It means that I have to answer. There is consequences for my life. And so when you and I as a believer are living a different life among, other, um, among the lost, they look at it, they think it's strange, they speak evil of you. Why? Because deep down they're convicted. Deep down they're facing conviction going, man, <sighs> They're put face to face with the fact that this Jesus person, he may just be real. So what is Peter saying? Peter is saying, listen, you need to be determined to live to the will of God because you are going to face people who speak evil of you. You're going to face consequences for walking with him. It is inevitable so equip yourself, arm yourselves with the mind of Christ, with that determination to live to the will of God. Peter reminds us, hey, listen, those people that are judging you, they're going to give an account before him who's going to judge the quick and the dead. That's verse 5. Verse number 6, for, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. He's just simply saying, hey, others have gone before. The word was preached, and, and they were judged according to the flesh, but now they're living with God according to the spirit. Hey, other people have faced what you are facing. They pursued God, living to the will of God, just like Jesus, and you can do the same thing. So when you and I face hardship, when we face uh, uh, some maybe suffering or some uh, scoffers or when we face a trial that's brought upon us, not because of our own foolishness, but simply because we're just following the Lord and the devil may send an attack our way, what can we do? Well, Peter says, hey, equip yourself, arm yourself with a determination to live for God. In view of the suffering of Jesus Christ, he suffered for you you can suffer for him. How, Peter? Equip yourself. Equip yourself with a determination to live for God. Paul, or this, the writer of Hebrews, whoever that was, 
wrote this word in Hebrews chapter 12, verses two through four. Said this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. What's that saying? He went through it against the will that he wanted. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. It says, consider him lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind because you haven't resisted unto blood. Hey, if you're still breathing, you haven't given your life for the gospel's sake, but Jesus did. It's the same reminder Peter's giving us. Hey, equip yourself, be determined, have determination to live for Christ. In view of the suffering of Christ, equip yourself. In view of the suffering of Jesus, number two, examine yourself. Examine yourself. I see this in verse number seven. Verse number eight and verse number nine, notice these with me. But the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye sober, therefore, or be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without, without grudging. Peter says, hey, also you've got to remember that the end it's right around the corner. Hey, eternity is just around the corner, so take time to examine your own heart. Be sober, therefore. That word sober, what does it mean? Be serious. Be serious and watch. The word uh, watch here has to do with um, paying close attention to. Give good attention to life. And watch, let that lead you into prayer. Have serious thinking. Have a, uh, a diligent, vigilant spirit and let that cause you to be a person of prayer. What's Peter getting at? Hey, the end is right around the corner. Check your heart and use your time wisely. Hey, the end is just around the corner. Check your heart. Use it wisely. Get serious about the things of the Lord. This, this word sober or serious, it doesn't mean that you and I shouldn't have a good time and have a good sense of humor and, and have fun in life. No, he's just simply saying, hey, quit wasting time. Quit wasting your trials. The end is near. Therefore, be sober and watch unto prayer. But notice that he continues. He continues and he says uh, the second thing right there, verse number eight. Ah, you know what? No, I need to tell you this real quick. Did you know that sobriety, seriousness among Christians is, was one of the key things that Paul wrote to many people? In the book of Titus, Titus chapter two, Titus chapter two, verses one through eight, Paul, excuse me, Paul is going to write to Titus for Titus to teach the older men, older women, younger men, and younger women. If you look, and we won't read through all these verses for time's sake, but in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, do you know the one common thing that he said to teach everybody? Be sober. Sober-minded. What is it? Hey, quit wasting time and get serious about the things of God. Listen, if there is one thing, if there's one thing that I hope every believer has taken away from the global pandemic that we're facing. If there's one thing, 
I hope that we've taken away, Lord, help me to stop wasting time. I gotta get serious about the things of the Lord. I was talking with a friend again. I had a lot of conversations this week with people. Uh, yesterday, and uh, he said this. Uh, he, said, he said, it's amazing to me that we are literally watching Bible prophecy get all set up. We're watching all the pieces come together. And we really are. If you know the book of Revelation and you know a little bit of Daniel and Isaiah and Ezekiel, listen, uh, we are literally watching pieces just get in place. It makes me kind of feel like what my, grand, my great-grandfather spoke about in 1948. 1948, just before Israel became a nation. And how they were all going, whoa. Whoa, this is, this is a big deal. And I remember my grandfather, he would do uh, tent, big tent revivals during that time. And uh, Danny said, we're having a tent revival out here after church. Uh, it's going to be one on-fire tent revival. They're selling fireworks out there if you didn't catch that. Uh, but my grandfather, they used to have those revivals and for weeks in, and he would advertise it, uh, something like what the Bible says about Israel as a nation. And people would come out because everybody saw like the Bible is coming to life before us. That's happening right now. The Bible, like it is, things are getting set up for the rapture to just happen and the Antichrist to be ushered in, and the mark of the beast. I mean, everything. It's just, it's right there. What should that cause for a Christian to do? The end is near. Peter says, hey, get serious. Get serious. Watch unto prayer, but notice what he says this. He says, and above all things, above all things, have fervent charity. Have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. What is, what is Peter writing here? I want you to think about this. Hey, above the seriousness, above the spirit of vigilance that leads you to prayer, above that, be sure that you're showing love one to another. Who is the one to another? Well, it's other believers. It's what he's writing about back in the beginning of first number, uh, chapter 1, verse numbers 1 through 3. He says who he's writing to, uh, to those of you that have been saved, the, the, those who have salvation. So here he's writing to them again. Hey, listen, above all of this, make sure that you have love for other believers. Fervent charity, that word fervent, it means zealous. Have a, a zealous charity one among another. Hey, keep the love among believers. Keep it strong. Why, why would he say this? I mentioned it this morning, but I think one of the reasons that Peter says this is because struggles and trials, sometimes they can cause us to take it out on the people who are closest to us. And often that can be fellow believers. This is why Peter gives that reminder. Hey, above all of these things, have a zealous love among yourselves for or because charity shall cover a multitude of sins. He says, hey, uh, when you approach another fellow believer with a real biblical love, you have a forgiving spirit. And so they can cut me off in the church parking lot. I'm not going to shake my fist at them. They can be one that uh, maybe our personality just doesn't click. It's okay because God made us differently. And I can cover a multitude of sins. I can just forgive them. 
They might be the one that uh, their kid picks on my kid or, or they might have said something a little um, you know, different to you and it kind of offended you that one time uh, two or three or five years ago. And instead of being the believer that kind of puts that under their belt and says, well, I'll get back at them someday and make that decision David met. Oh, I see my good is being rewarded with evil. I find I'm gonna revenge. I'm gonna find vengeance in that. Instead of being that guy, if you're loving others, Peter is saying, hey, if you're doing this, you know what's gonna happen? If you're doing it, forgiveness is across the board. Now, why would this be important? Oh, I don't know. It's probably because Jesus said, by this, by your love one to another, shall men know that you belong to me? Right? John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. That love is an ident- that love between uh, brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, that is an identifying mark of a follower of Jesus Christ. And that love can seriously influence other people for God. He says, above all, have love. But then he says in verse number nine, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Now, This is interesting, and I would have never known this had I not dug into it a little bit more, but the word hospitality here that's used, the word hospitality, we think about being hospitable. It just means, you know, you're just kind to people that come over, but this word hospitality in the Greek here, all of the words that put this one together, it's talking about showing kindness to strangers. Okay, now that's different because why would Peter then say, Hey, have fervent charity one to another. Use hospitality. Use a stranger, uh, use a kindness that you would use with a stranger one to another without grudging. why Why would Peter write that? Here's the thought. Sometimes we afford strangers more grace than we do the very people we live in our home with. Use hospitality. Hey, have a spirit of kindness and generosity to those you know just as if you were treating them like a total stranger. Right? With a stranger, we're going to be, hey, how can I help you? Hey, we're, man, I'm so glad you're at church today. Is there anything? Here, have my chair. Here, do you need a bulletin? We don't have enough bulletins right now. But, you know, it's, it's that hospitality. It's just, hey, with a stranger, we're like that. Think about a guest in your home. When you have a guest in your home, it's, hey, do you, do you need a cup? Do you need some water? Hey, can I get you a bowl of ice cream? Hey, can I? And, and it's having that spirit. To your family, it's like, what, are your legs broken? <laughs> well, you, you can get up and do it. You do it for yourself. Man, you take the trash out. It's not my job. Man, you do the dishes. Right? With our family, we're just, we have that, that speech that's just quick and, and sharp. Here's what Peter is writing. Hey, you need to treat those closest to you, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Use that kindness that you'd use with a stranger, with one another. And then notice he says how? Without grudging. What's that word grudging? Murmuring and complaining. I guess I'll get you a bowl of ice cream, you lazy bum. I can't believe you can't get this. He's saying, hey, don't do that. Because that murmuring is going to negate the good that you're doing. Think about Martha in John chapter number 10, or Luke chapter number 10. Uh, What did Martha do? The Bible says that Martha, she was cumbered about much work. She was cumbered about much serving. And she went to the Lord and said, hey, don't you see what I'm doing? Tell Mary to get up and do something. And 
Her complaining negated the servant spirit that she had. What was she doing? She was showing hospitality with grudging. What does all of this have to do with examining ourselves? I believe Peter is saying, hey, listen, the end is near, so you look inward and start worrying about yourself. Struggles are coming. Don't worry about that. Worry about your heart through those struggles. Get serious. Get vigilant. Let that lead you to prayer. Love other believers. Show them hospitality and quit complaining. That's so simple as he's going through this, like, hey, struggles are coming. Examine yourself. He says, equip yourself. He says, examine yourself. Lastly tonight, he says, engage yourself. Engage yourself. Notice verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 10. God, <laughs> that's not it. The verse didn't get put in there. Verse number 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know what? Here's the thought, and that's, that's where that statement comes in. Uh, ignore the reference. Listen, God never asks us to do things that he's not going to equip or supply us the stuff to do it. He asks us to do something, he's going to give us the tools. All right, so what's this mean? Verse number 10, look with me again. He says, as every man hath received the gift. Hey, when you got saved, God gave you spiritual gifts. As you have received a gift, even so ministers serve one another as good stewards of the manifold. That word manifold could be multifaceted. Good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Now, verse number 11 helps explain it a little bit. If any man speak, speaking, teaching is a gift, a fruit, a gift of the Spirit. If any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles of God. Listen, when you get up, if you have the gift of teaching, when you get up, you better preach the word of God. That's why, and I praise the Lord for our church, but uh, at, our, at our pulpit, and when we, right now it's the music stand, but uh, when, when we have someone get up here, I don't want people standing up and saying, hey, here's what I say. We don't want that. We want, open up the word of God and speak that to me. That's what Peter's saying. Hey, if you have the gift of teaching, use it for God. Then he says this, if any man minister, if you have the gift of serving, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. Hey, let him do it with the strength that God gives. Serve God. Why? So that or in order that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Here's what Peter is getting at. He's just simply saying this. Hey, when you trusted Christ, you were given a gift. As you go through suffering, don't neglect a gift. Use your gift to serve the Lord. As every man hath received the gift, let him minister as the manifold grace of God. Let him use that gift because he knows I am under the manifold, multifaceted grace of God. God has been gracious to me, and I'm going to use this to invest in other people. If I, if I have the gift of teaching, I'm going to teach for the Lord. If I have the gift of serving, I'm going to do it with the strength of the Lord. Why would I do that? So that, in order that, he is glorified. Peter is simply just helping us understand God has given you a gift so that you can serve. Engage yourself in service for the Lord. 
As a good steward, a good steward is a house manager, a steward, they own nothing, but they manage everything as if they owned it. He's saying, hey, listen, manage your gifts, manage your abilities, manage uh, your potential for the Lord as if you owned it. In all of it, you know what he's getting at? Quit sitting back and complaining. That's what a lot of people do when we get in trouble, isn't it? You know, when we get in struggles, we just kind of sit down. And we have, oh, poor me. I can't believe that they would do that. I can't believe that this, I don't deserve this. Here's what Peter is saying. Hey, arm yourselves with the same mind. Determine to live to the will of God. Hey, uh, examine yourselves. Look inward. Stop worrying about the situation. And then get up and go serve somebody. Engage yourself. And through all of this, Peter is saying the reason is because then God will receive the glory. In view of the suffering of Christ, examine yourself, live for God. Or excuse me, equip yourself, live for God. In view of the suffering of Christ, examine yourself, have a heart for God. And in view of the suffering of Christ, serve God. Man, engage yourself. Quit sitting back and complaining. Start moving forward in faith. I close with these two thoughts. Tonight, don't miss the opportunities for growth that struggles and trials and suffering bring into your life. When we go through hard times, you know what we do? We sit back, get frustrated, focus inward, and become of no use. I think Peter understood that because he's writing, hey, don't sit back. Listen, don't start complaining. Hey, listen, don't, don't, don't sit back and think, I can't believe this would happen to me. Instead, determine to live to the will of God, not your own flesh. Instead of complaining, look inward and start moving forward. Start serving. So don't miss the opportunities that your struggles bring your way. And then the last thing tonight is this. Don't just go through suffering with complaining and frustration. Instead, what we saw this morning, see the bigger picture. Remember, as you go through trials, remember the suffering of Jesus Christ and let that help you. Let the, listen, if you go through trials this week, let that, the suffering of Christ, let it help you during your trials. Help me do what? I'm gonna live for God this week. I'm gonna have a heart for God this week. And I'm not going to sit back and be frustrated. Instead, I'm going to serve God this week. Say, why why should we do all of that? Again, the whole context. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. Hey, he suffered for you. In view of that, in view of that, live for him, have a heart for him, and serve him. But all of it goes back to the suffering of Christ. Since he loved me, man, I can live for him. I hope that this week that we would let the sufferings of Christ speak into our life so that we won't miss the opportunities of growth that are brought to us through our struggles and our challenges and our trials. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.